Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. And if you've been a listener to the show, you're going to know it's about money. And my friend and guest co-host Karen Walrand is back and we are, she is so out of her comfort zone, but decided that she was willing to risk it and go vulnerable and have this conversation. So I love it. We talk about why I love money and why she's afraid of money. What what are her money fears and why does it cause panic? And I hope as we go through this conversation that you get some insights and really work on what are your own money stories because we all have them. And if you can unpack them and figure out what they are, what the stories are that are getting in your way. And then you can actually write your own brave new ending. And if this is intriguing to you, you're going to hear us talk about that process in this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. I'll circle back afterwards. All right. Hello, 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 Karen. Welcome back. How are you doing, sister? I'm doing great. I'm so (laughs) excited to talk to you. And I I love what we're going to be talking about. Oh, God. What are we going to be talking about? Money. Oh, God. (laughs) Money. Okay. Okay. Money. Money. Let's talk about money. I love, what are we gonna, I what love are we gonna money. Talk, how do you, you love money? Mm-hmm. I love having money, <laughs> but money scares me. Why does it scare you? Well, money is tricky. Like asking for money is tricky. Um, budgeting is tricky. Uh, making lots of money is tricky. Like money is just confounding for me. I, it's <laughs> you're silent. Are you still there? <laughs> well, I was like, that is such an interesting story because if money is tricky and making lots of money is tricky, that's quite the roadblock, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice to have you here. Yes. Yes. Money is really, um, you know, back in my twenties, I had a time when I had lost my job and um, I was getting a divorce at the same time, and so. I, you know, I had credit cards, so I got, I wrapped up some debt and even though I got out of it, like I managed to pay it all off and everything like that, I have been petrified ever since. So that's what a good 20 something years of just being scared of money. And so I don't, I don't mess with money. Like I, I pay off my bills and I don't, I pay cash for everything and that's it. Like I'm petrified of money. So let's talk about the beauty of the mess of having the debt. We are uh, we are daring way facilitators, you know. Oh yeah, I hate when that comes up. I hate when the daring way stuff comes up. It's just a big mirror on my vulnerability and shame. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the beauty of the mess. Yeah. So you, so you, you know, you're young. Yep. You're going through these circumstances, right? You have a divorce, which I didn't even know you were married prior to your current husband, Marcus. Beautiful, wonderful husband now. Yes. Yes. And you, you have debt. And you lose your job. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, br- I'm breaking out in hives just <laughs> thinking of it. So what's the beauty in that? Um, I'm on the other side. There's some beauty in that, that I'm, that I'm better now. Um, you know, I, I will think, of, I can tell you about a beautiful moment that happened while I was in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. So I remember like really feeling despair right? Um, I had been, I'd cashed out some of my 401k to live on and I was really getting a little bit desperate. And there was an organization here in Houston and I don't remember the name of it, but it was basically one of those organizations that sort of helped you get back on your feet, like a sort of a money counseling kind of thing. And I went in and was like, I think I have to declare bankruptcy. Like, I think this is bad. And, and keep in mind, by the way, like I just moved out of the house. We'd so we were in the process of selling the house and I was living in an apartment. So I really like, like I had credit card debt, but I didn't have a whole lot of other debt. Right. And so the guy looked at me and he goes, well, you just have a problem managing money, but you're, you're, like, 
you don't want bankruptcy. That's crazy. You don't need bankruptcy. Like maybe you need to call your credit cards and figure out a payment plan and stuff like that, but you don't need bankruptcy. And I remember like that moment of going, oh, I'm not the worst person he's ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like being very free, like, oh, okay. Like, cause I really was pretty down on myself. And I just remember him saying, no, 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 no. You just need to get organized and you need to get to pull yourself together here. But, um, but you, you can do this. You don't need, you don't need bankruptcy. You don't need anything. You don't need any sort of like, you know, reorg of your life here. We just need to kind of get organized. And, and that was, that was a beautiful time. And, and it kind of was a good wake up call for me, like to sort of, um, you know, get control of stuff and to, and to not despair when things are tough, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like there's no, you know, you can lament it and you can get, serious about it but you don't necessarily need to despair of it and that was very that was a beautiful moment during that time so that's some beauty in that mess mm -hmm. <laughs> is that what you were talking about well, well i didn't know that that particular part but that yeah. is right to not despair when things are tough i mean that that's such a key element in all of our struggles sure Sure. And it, it was a good, I mean, it's, it is literally sort of a lesson that I think I've taken with me in other aspects of my life since then, that it's like, you know, yeah, things get really, really tough, but, but, you know, just take a deep breath and one step at a time, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a good moment. But, uh, but, but on the downside, like I am fearful of money now, right? Like I am very, um, you know, it's almost like it's this huge, like monster that is maybe it's chained to something, but the chain doesn't look like it might hold. So I just respect it because that chain, it could devour me at any moment, right? Like that's kind of how I look at money. It's very, um, you know, I respect it. I don't play fast and loose with it, um, which is good on one hand, because like I don't have debt. But on the other hand, um, I probably could do with taking a little more risk around it. Mm-hmm. Well, have you unpacked why you got into that debt in the first place? Um, no, <laughs> I mean, like I can sit here and I can tell you, I can give you guesses about why. I mean, I think, um, I was in my twenties. I was very young. Um, I probably was a bit cocky, um, about, you know, job security and stuff like that. Because I, when I got, when I got laid off and it truly was a layoff, I was blindsided. I didn't see it coming, um, at all. It was, you know, I wasn't fired. It, I left amicably, but they just called me and they go, we can't afford you anymore. Um, and it was right as I was studying for the bar exam and I had been thinking that this was going to be my job after I passed the bar. Like I was interning at this law firm and basically being, being a lawyer without any of the liability yet, right? Like I wasn't signing anything, but doing all of the lawyerly stuff. As far as I knew, my work was good. Um, so it, I was really blindsided by it. Um, and I think had I been more, um, you know, like, you know, make sure I had a nest egg and, you know, like been sort of, you know, not, I don't want to say wary, but practical about, you know, that you never know when you're going to need to tap into some money and you never know when you're going to need stuff. So you need to be careful about that. Um, I probably would not have been in as serious of a spot. Um, but I was, you know, I mean, I, I was maybe two or three years out of college. I was still, you know, finishing up law school. So, I was in my mid twenties and I was really, really young. So a lot of it has to do, I think with that. Um, I've never been a, an extravagant person. That's not my MO. So it wasn't like I was spending willy nilly. Um, but I probably could have been saving more. Mm -hmm. well, you know, it's interesting because as you talk about this, um, I had this guest, Zach Bissonette, who wrote one of my favorite books. And at first when I got it, I had, um, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to interview him. And, <laughs> but uh, it's called Debt-Free University or Debt-Free You. And okay. then I read it because I was like, I know money. I'm good with money. What's he going to really tell me? And I worked in higher education for such a long time. Right. I read that thing and I was like, oh my gosh. He like connected the dots. And well, you love money. And, and I, I've always been like amazed by that. Yeah, no, and I, I do. I love money. and I, But I had to spend a lot of time in my 20s learning about it because my, my, well, I'll get into my family of origin. But one of the things that he talked about was um, there's this, there's a lot of pressure. And I don't know if this is what you were experiencing when you were going through college or, or law school is kids, right? Are how, how a high school will be uh, graded, right? Or mm -hmm. viewed is by, well, where do these kids go off to school? 
So yep. a lot of times the the counselors will say, oh, no, go to NYU or go to these schools yep. because they don't care about what's the cost to you. It's this is going to benefit us. We're going to be able to brag about this. We have bragging rights. Right. Right. And then the counselors at the colleges are like, oh, yes, you can get financial aid. So what? It costs 75000 a year. Don't you know what your earning potential is going to be? Right. Right. And so right. then these kids are getting in these student loans that they don't know that they can never get out. You can't even file bankruptcy. Right, right. Right. Especially the federally secured ones. So, you know, you get into the situation where everybody's like, oh, yes, yes, you, you can, you can earn this mm. because you can, you can take out this money because mm. you were going to be a high income earner. Right. And then yep. we have the recessions and then we have these things and people are like, but wait a second. I have this degree and now I can't get a job. I mean, how many lawyers got right. laid off, you know, in 2007 through 2009? Right. Right. Because right. It, it, there just wasn't money there. So, you know, as you're talking about that, it's like, well, of course you did that in your 20s. Yep. You know, and when we're in our 20s, we are, we do believe that we're rather invincible. Yep. And so you did that. And the other part of the beauty that I see is that because you had that experience, you now have these really strong boundaries in return, in, in regards to money. Yeah. No, I do. <laughs> Much to my husband's chagrin. I'm like, no, we're not spending money on that. No, I'm like, yeah, I definitely have that. I have are very strong boundaries and stuff. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking that, you know, you mentioned family of origin and, um, I think that's a lot of it too. My dad, um, my dad grew up very poor, um, but was very smart and he scholarshiped his way through to a PhD right? Um, in engineering. And he did very, very well. Uh, but growing up, we, money was not something we talked about in our house. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember as a high school student thinking like all my friends were getting part-time jobs. And I saw, you know, I remember going to my parents and going, I think I should get a part-time job. And the response was your job is school. You're, you don't need to do that. Like it was really sort of, I didn't start working until I was a junior in college because I started panicking that I was about to graduate and would have no work experience on my resume. And so I, I found a job on campus actually with it, within my, um, within the engineering department that I was in. And I called my dad and I was petrified. I'm like, dad, I'm taking this job and like sort of wincing and thinking how ridiculous it was that I was like scared to tell my dad I was getting a job. Like, like I'm like in the real world is, but it wasn't, we never talked about money. I would, I have no idea if my parents ever went through a time where money was tight or not. Like they would not have told us. Um, I got a scholarships to college, to college, but I know that if I hadn't, that dad would have been like, we'd figure out a way to pay for it. Right. You know, like it was, and my sister did too. We got scholarships to college, but um, and the only way that I realized that that was really a great thing was I had applied to a bunch of different universities outside of Texas and this one university in Texas, and they gave me a full ride. And I was not, I applied to the Texas school literally because some friends were going, like I had no desire to go to this school. But when the, the letter came saying that I had gone to uh, earn this scholarship, like the relief on my dad's face was like, oh, I'm going to the Texas school. Like, like <laughs> literally, but it, not because of anything else. Like he didn't say you have to go here. Like it was very money. You didn't talk about money growing money. Well, you did not talk about it. And certainly you didn't talk about it with your children. Like that, your kids should never worry about, and my dad's, your kids should never worry about where money was coming from. And I think that's probably a vestige from him growing up poor, right? Where that was a constant worry, right? He was the second of nine kids and he grew up in a very poor village and a developing country. And so money was a constant worry. And I think he just never wanted that for his kids. Mm -hmm. No, and that makes, that makes so much sense, right? He was trying to protect you from that. Yeah. Yeah. But as a result, of course, I became, I was completely illiterate about money and in a lot of ways still am. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about money, Karen, is that it's learnable. Mm, so you tell. <laughs> <laughs> so you say. <laughs> but it's scary. It's scary. Money is scary. It's Well, it's scary because then, then we like, okay, so there's so much shame in money, right? Yeah. Like, think about it. There's so much shame. It's not enough. There's scarcity, all of that. And we have all these stories about money. And then so what do we do? We go into our shame shield. So we yeah. either hide away, <laughs> we run away from it. it's like, oh, I don't want to learn anything. Yep. Or, you know, we move against, which I call approval whoring. And that's where you maybe, you know, and there was part of my childhood where it was, let me put up the facade when there was nothing to back it. Right? Okay. And, or there's the, you know, the moving against the gladiator. Like, and I, I remember in college, I was like, you know, if you have money, you're an evil person. 
right, right, right. Of course, yeah. So yeah. there was that. Like, I don't yep. need money. Let me just show you what I could do. And because there's, there's I, romance and struggling. Yeah, and yeah. and so I had to learn because my family of origin had their rumblings with money. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur and he went bankrupt twice and and I had a lot of shame about that. And there was a lot of shame around it. And I just thought, well, my way to, you know, put it all together as a 12-year-old is, well, I'm just a loser and I live on Loser Street, right? That was how I, that was the story that I made up in my head because that's all I could figure out. And I remember years ago, probably in the first couple of years of doing the show, I interviewed, I think her name's Kim Levine. And I was reading her book and she was talking about like mommies. I think it's like mommy millionaires and, you know, making the mommy. It was when the whole mommy craze out, you know, mom, mompreneurs. Right. And <laughs> making, making uh, products and stuff. And I was reading about manufacturing and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, my dad went bankrupt, not because he was a loser. I mean, he was a very intelligent man and he had patents. Right. But he was manufacturing things and he was trying to market his stuff. I mean, it actually made sense. And I went, wow. So that, you know, how you also had that, the part of your beauty in the mess was you realized that you weren't the worst person that this gentleman had ever seen when you showed him your debt, right? Yeah. It was the same thing when I was reading her book, but when I was preparing for the interview, it was like, oh, it's not that there was something wrong with us. This is actually part, this can be a part of the business process. My dad dared greatly, you know, and he was uh, manufacturing stuff. He was, he had created this project, he had vented stuff, you yep. know, and, and there were things that didn't work out. Mm. Right. And, and it, mm. it's, it's a really com- much more complicated story than that. But instead of like my go to like simplistic, I'm just a loser. We're all just right. losers. And that's why the bad things happen to us or or which triggered the belief of money doesn't happen to people like us because that's right, what I right, used to right. believe. Right. right. It was. Oh. And so I remember my 20s. I was in school and it was a recession. And um, I wound up getting this really good student assistant job. It was like the second highest student job on campus. But I had to be there for the whole year. And I only needed like nine units left. Right. And so I went part time. And then I was like, okay, I had to find another class. And I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to take? I've taken everything. Right? right. And I remembered my sophomore year in college, the captain of the swim team said, there's two classes you must take before you graduate. And one of them happened to be personal finance. And I was like, okay. oh. Okay, I'll go take it. And it was a night class, which I'm not if keen of, but I went and took it. Yep. Oh, and I was like petrified like the first three weeks. And I was like, I will never get married. It's a bad idea. That was like my big <laughs> takeaway. <laughs> like, never. But I was like so hungry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you mean there are tools out there that you can do use to create wealth? And I was like, wow. I mean, and I, I just, it opened my mind. And then I was also the, I was an assistant coach with the men's coach who wasn't my husband. It was a different coach back then. Yep. And, um, and he was independently wealthy. And I'm like, you mean you're, you're just doing this because you like to, not because you have to. I mean, that was a mind blower. Right. Right. So right. these two things. And the thing that I, I just even told this to my husband a couple of weeks ago, because I was reflecting back on my own journey is that while there was a lot of turbulence, you know, in my family of origin with money, mm-hmm. right. There the beauty of it was it did set up some pretty concrete rules about for how I live my life today and how I've lived it as an adult. Yep. And it did create this huge hunger in me when I was in my 20s to learn about money and and empower myself when it came to money. And and now I'm really, you know, I'm good with money and I'm not perfect. You know, there, there, there are definitely corners that could use some cleaning up. Yep. But there were teachers that came along. So like I was telling my husband, I go, you know, my freshman year in college, my dad paid for it. And here's the crazy thing. Like I actually could have gotten financial aid, but I had so much shame about that that mm. I never went and collected. And at that time, my dad was making a lot of money, so it wasn't a big deal. And right. he, so he paid for everything. And then he would give me $250 a month. So this is 1990. $250 right. a month, just as spending money. Plus, I had a gas card and a car right. that was already paid for. So like, I was pretty rich. I didn't right. realize it. And my roommate got $200 a month cash. And she'd be like, oh, my gosh, we can't spend money. I was like, oh, I guess we can't spend money. We must be poor. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, right. All we had to do was pay for our landline in our dorm room. <laughs> was it right, in right. laundry? And even then, I wouldn't even. Do, I take my laundry home. So, but we are, you know. So because of her, you know, we wouldn't go and splurge. Like we would never go to the movies. We'd go to the warehouse and buy ninety-nine cents, you know, rentals, or maybe right, occasionally right. go to Colleen's Creamery and have this ice cream. But and so that was she was like kind of the beginning because back then I would think, wow, you're just a square. Right. <laughs> because I I was like, no, so you need to prove who you are. There was this belief. And it was amazing the teachers that came into my life. And she was one of them. And then, you know, taking this class with and 
by being referral from the captain. And then, you know, all these different people. And then even my husband, you know, who was, you know, very conservative with money. And I was like, really? Like, you know, if, if I had not met him, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd be in a totally different lifestyle. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But how perfect, like the teachers that came into my life where, you know, where I can learn what, what enough is and then where I am today. And I am really good with money, but it was because I went through a lot of mess to get here. I mean, I remember being 12 years old and in tears because we had lost our house or we were, you know, probably, I don't know, 10 to 12. I don't know if exactly when, but I know we lost our house when I was 12. But um, I mean, you know, knowing the tension in the home yep. and being like, I just want a job where it's totally safe, where I get guaranteed income. And therefore, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. And we know how well that works out. But yeah. uh, but I did become, you know, a tenured uh, community college professor and stuff. Right. So right. Um, so I did have that guaranteed income stream for a while. But it was, you know, so interesting what I really hungered for. Right. Right. And, and then I was able to create it, you know, for a part of my professional life. And then I was able to actually walk away from that because I realized I could do it on my own. I didn't have to have, you know, that job description and contract. So, okay. So as I sit here and I listen to you, like, like for me, like spending's not an issue, right? Like I don't spend, I'm smart about that and stuff like that. But like you said, like tools to create wealth. And I was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. like there's a part of me that's like, that exists? Like, like how do you get to the point where, like, I think there's, I think there's, you know, there's a spectrum, right? So you can be like the type of person who's bad with money because you spend too much and you're, you're just kind of crazy and put everything on credit and you're just, you know, spending way beyond your means and that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that could be one level. I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So then there's the type of person who's like me, who's like fearful of money. So you're like, okay, I'm going to save what I can and I'm going to spend below budget and I don't need fancy and I can live fine, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. Like, that's great. And, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty of that is that I'm not worried about how I'm going to pay for the necessities of life. Right. And occasionally I can go do a little splurge, but I don't do that. Right. Which is good. But then there's I think there's another thing where you're like, not only are you doing that, but you're also creating wealth and you're also investing. And and that stuff blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't even know how to begin to do that. I would not know how to begin to do that. And the whole idea of get like hiring somebody to do that for you scares me because I'm like, what if they're screwing me? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like I have no idea. Like that is just all fear for me. That is straight up fear. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to the point where you're like, you know what? Money is fun and I love money and let's see what money can do, how to make money do things like that. Like I, that to me is just crazy talk. <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, so one of the things I think is really important is that celebrate every aspect of where you are. So celebrate like, look, it, and you are good with money because you don't have debt, right? And you don't spend above your means. Nope. So that is a part of your story is that you are good. Like there are those, those are your boundaries and you stick with that. You honor that commitment to yourself and your family. And I do that too. And that's one of the areas. So even before, like even when I was in college, I knew how bad debt was, right? right. I mean, that was pretty drilled into me and you go through two bankruptcies and lose your family home you know that. But right. at the same time, my dad did say, get a credit card, establish credit. Because when you're a university right. student, or at least when I went to school, it was really easy and you get a bag of M&Ms or something, right? Right. <laughs> right. So I did, but the rule is always pay off the card. Right. You have to pay it off. So in my, I'm 43. So in my life, only once have I carried a credit card balance. And I'd gone my senior year. Um, I had this mile, I had, my dad had miles. So I went to England before the start of my senior year for a couple of weeks. And I think I had about $450 of credit card debt, which, you know, when you're making like $8 an hour is quite a bit of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. But I also had, I had my boundaries and I remember my, who's now my husband, but my boyfriend at the time said, well, I'll just lend you the money. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not starting that. So, but that's a, that's a lot of discipline, especially for somebody you're as young as you are. Well, because I like to be the boss of me and I was not going <laughs> to not going to have some white knight rescue me or think that he could tell me what to do when it came to terms of money. That's right. Awesome. So yep. like I knew enough, I watched enough control over money and I, I didn't, was not going to enter that. I, that was not going to happen. Right. And um, so I wound up picking up, I got $10 an hour cause I was subbing master swimming. And so I had to work a lot for about a month to pay that off, you know, cause yep. it's $10. So it's what 45 hours or so I can't. Yeah. About 45 hours. And so I did that. <laughs> 
to pay it off because that was really important to me. And I was like, that is not worth it. So like, but I've always appreciated the beauty and the mess. And I know some of the listeners are like, seriously, $450. (laughs) I understand. And, and, and there's no such thing as a trauma Olympics. Right. But it was like, these were the lessons. And, um, so the, so those, those are really important. And then the other thing that happened when I took that personal finance class, I found out about this thing called the IRA, the individual retirement account. Mm. And I, you know, they started showing like compound interest. I was like, wow, you know, and that whole thing fascinated me. And so, and this is why I say it's so important to never discount the small because I then started with, I think it was $180 a month. I don't remember. You have to do the math. It's $2,000 a year, but I think it was $180 or $185 a month that I started putting in. Again, remember, I think I'm making $7 or $8 an hour at this point. And I'm putting myself through school and I do have student loans because after my freshman year, my dad didn't have the funds to pay for school anymore. So it was on me. And you know, and I did get student loan checks and I kind of played a game with it because I would get it the first quarter and I'd get it the second quarter and I always try not to get the third check. So right. I always, I'd try to borrow less than what I was allowed. So right. it was a ga- I'd ma- I turned it into a game, which is kind of interesting because I don't think I thought of it then, but that was my mindset where that helped me overcome the shame of it. Now picking up those checks in the rec hall, which is the basketball place, I would go yeah. at times when I would think it would be the least crowded because I had so much shame about picking up those checks because I thought I was the only person on campus so that, got, that had financial aid. So I've come a long way about this. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, so I started there and I talked with my teacher and I can't say that he gave me investment advice, but he was like, you know, it kept it really simple of like, you know, Vanguard's a really good company and index funds. And that's what I did. That's how I just got started. And I, I would, every time, like, you know, I get a statement from them, I would watch it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, one day I won't have to pay this. I think it was like $2.50. I think it was $10 a year for the account maintenance fee. I was like, I can't wait. I don't even know what the number was, $10,000 or something. It's like, I can't wait for that. Like, and, and it's a lot of what I talk about of having that feeling that you want to have when you get there. I had it then, right? It wasn't like, oh, it wasn't a scarcity feeling and not enough. It was like, I would celebrate. I'm like, look at me do this, right? And I would be excited. And and how old were you when this was all happening? I was 21. Okay. Like you do understand that that's pretty extraordinary. It is. And I understand that. And then, but remember like my, my family of origin, that's why there was beauty in the mass. Yeah. Right. Two bankruptcies. Yeah. You lose your house in seventh grade. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and, yeah, that'll 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 yeah. knock the seriousness in you, won't it? Yeah. So there was, you know, like the stories I could talk about with money and just the stuff that would go on and the shame. Yeah. It was, you know, I just made some decisions. Like I was, there was a couple things. One, I wasn't going to drink. Well, at some point, I decided. I think it was after I was nineteen. I'm like not going to drink because okay. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. Because there was also that in my family. Yeah. And then. I didn't want the financial turbulence my family had. And if that yep. meant like I only made, you know, because I was hoping when I graduated from college that I would make 18000 a year. I felt like if I can make that, I'm going to be rich. Right. Because right. I was living on nine and that was also paying for tuition. Right. right? Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that, that, I mean, you know, now my car insurance wasn't incorporated because my dad did pay for that. So I wasn't told, you know, and I had a free car to drive. But right. I did wind up buying a car um, the next year or so. And I paid cash for that. It was a used car, but I bought a car. But so it was these small steps. And now it's so interesting because those small steps became habits of, you know, putting money into a, I've always worked in the nonprofit. So, you know, into a 403B when I was at the college and in, in just doing that. And like, so putting money into those kinds of things. Then the other thing I sought out was back then, um, was it the Beardstown Bears or whatever, those old ladies who wrote those books. And then it came out that they had miscalculated, but investment clubs were a big deal. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I got involved in an investment club because I was like, I want to learn about this. So, you know, one of my strengths is I've always been a learner. Yep. And so I was like, okay, I want to learn about this. And I did it. And that group was fine. And then they wound up disbanding. And then I knew that somebody else had an investment club. And this is where I lean on my strengths because I have the courage to ask, right? I mean, yeah. that makes sense with my show. Yep. So I got into this one and I came home and my husband was like, do you know who those people are? They were like, and I was like, I'm, I knew some of them, right? But I yeah. was like, they're all bozos to me. But <laughs> yeah, right. But he's like, those are major movers and shakers. So it was interesting because I got to be a part with them for a number of years and we did stuff and I learned. And But then it was so funny because human nature is just human nature. So all those like, and I read a ton. I read just about every book I could get my hands on about money. Mm. You know, I just was, I just wanted to learn. And my favorite book still to this day 
is The Millionaire Next Door. Okay. And it was written by two college professors. So that's, you know, and for those that always listen to me talk about college professors, that's where it started. Yep. And um, <laughs> I can't remember where they're in the Southeast somewhere. But, uh, and they, it was, it's kind of dry because there's a lot of research information, but then there's some good stories. And I remember reading this book and going like, look, look, there's these tools. And my husband going, seriously, we are swim coaches. What are you thinking? <laughs> right. Like he, he dismissed me. I'm like, no, no, no. There are two bus drivers and they each make 30000 a year and they're millionaires. If wow. that is possible for them, what is possible for us? Wow. Right. And that's something that I've always talked about on the show is that, you know, when I bring on guests, if this is possible for them, what's possible for you? Possible? Yeah. Wow. Right. The Millionaire Next Door, you the say. The Millionaire Next Door. It's dry. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite book, though. And, and it has a lot of the concepts that we've been talking about. Live below your means. Right. Right. And, and, and they went through and they studied it. And I just, I've always loved that book. Um, and it was, so when I, when I would go and watch Friends, you know, like in my 30s, probably when Friends started having money, you know, go to Hawaii or go and do these things, right. I never felt lack. I was like, well, that's fine. Because right. I have a goal that I'm pursuing. I don't know if I'll ever get there. I have no evidence that a person like me can ever achieve that. Right. But that's okay because this is what I'm choosing. Right, right. Right. So for me, like some people may look at putting money in a retirement account as a sacrifice. Yeah. And they don't have enough. For me, it's done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. It's done. And then yeah. like with the credit card debt, like if something goes on the credit card, it is absolutely paid off. There, there's, there's not, you know, it is done. It is like, you know, us taking care of our daughters. Right. 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 right done. Right. Done. Yeah. And so I, and I live by those principles. And so that's just how I've gone about doing it. And I, but I've looked for evidence elsewhere. And then, you know, there's the whole compound interest thing. But so the big thing I learned with the investment group and we went through 2001 and the whole NASDAQ market crashing and stuff and watching our portfolio really crash because we were really heavy in tech. Okay. And, but it was so interesting because, you know, you have all these rules of what not to do. Yep. And this group was really, really smart. I mean, they really weren't bozos. I just knew them. I've known them for so long. You know, you kind of like, okay, what's the big deal? Right. But they were actually very smart people. And we started getting cocky. Like I remember one day we were sitting there and we were going to buy something because it was like like Cisco. You know, it's going to be the new Cisco. Right, and right. If, if our returns weren't getting 10% a month, then, you know, they weren't, they weren't worthy of us. They weren't, yeah. Right? <laughs> right. And I was like, wow, right. you're getting really arrogant. And I was like, really? We're going to, this is like, because I'm, I'm really, here are the rules. Right, right, right. right Stick right. with the rules. Right. We're breaking the rules. This is not what you're supposed to do. And we're doing it. You do have a lawyer in you, don't you? <laughs> I have rules. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I looked to one of my uh, friends who's been a mentor and he's a financial planner and, um, and he goes, yeah, that's fine. So we bought like a hundred shares that I don't remember. It's like ten thousand dollars, and yep. you know, the next month it was eight hundred dollars worth, and that was the start of the end. And then right. I remember being together, and we we're like, okay, well, we're willing to. See. I mean, this was this whole club was all about this is money that you can put in that is not going to affect your life, right? right Where we sure. can play yeah, yeah. it. And so yeah. I was like, okay, so I was like, I'm in. You know, we lost money, but we can keep going. And people pulled out. You know, uh -huh. there were only about four of us, three or four of us that said we'd stay in. And when we were making money, it was like we couldn't keep the money out. You know, like people, everybody wanted to join. Wanted to be in, yeah. So then after that, I decided it was all rigged. <laughs> right. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in that because there's other things I want to do. And yep. so I was like, I just do mutual funds. Okay. And, and then from there, like um, I have a couple mentors who uh, went my college professor, my personal finance professor has been my lifelong mentor. So anything I do with money, I yep. contact him. And... Um, and then he got me onto ETFs, which is, ex I don't even know what it stands for, exchange traded funds, which is like a, um, a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock. So you could buy it. I'm hearing point. Charlie Brown's teacher here right now, as you're talking. <laughs> wah, I want you to wah, know that. Wah, 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 like you just, you just lost me. So, but so that, you know, that's what I did. And um, I don't know. And, 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 I just, and I just love money. And, you know, I'm not good with like, like when I look at, I'm not good with like, I guess PL statements, that kind of stuff. It could be, yep. it's like Charlie Brown for me too. Right, right. I, I love money. And I just, I just. So, okay. So, how do you get, so how would you suggest somebody who, particularly if they have a fear of money, like me, mm -hmm. like get started? Because I will tell you that you say that money is learnable, mm -hmm. but I would tell you that my fear of money extends to that, right? Like that I'm, you know, the, my, my, SFD, right? As mm -hmm. Renee would talk, is that I'm no good at money. I've had 
I had the experience of being poor with money when I was a kid, so or when I was in my 20s. So I'm not good with money. So what makes me think that I can learn? Okay. Right? So how do you get to the point where you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start learning and work through that fear. Okay. Well, one is you just unpacked, right? Your belief. Yeah. And you have to own that story. And then you just love yourself. Like, okay, I'm no good at money. I mean, well, first of all, like, what does not being good at money mean? Right. Right. Yeah. When you were in your 20s, you got yourself in debt. Right. But that'd be like saying, you know, I'm no good at marriage because I got divorced. Well, yeah. You- but that's di- but there's a difference. There, here's the difference. Because you can get to the point where you're like, well, that person was just not good. And mm-hmm. I've got a different person. Money is money. Money doesn't change. Money is money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, maybe if I moved to another country and tried a different currency, it might be different. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like it's easier, I think, to rationalize why a previous relationship didn't work, but this one would, because there's so many variables that have changed. One of them being, it's not the same person. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Which is a huge thing. Although I guess I'm not the same person I was back then. All right. You've just talked Bingo. me out. Of- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll stop talking now. <laughs> so you own your story, you unpack it, right. right? You have to unpack it to see what's in there. Right. And then you own it and you, it's, it's Brene stuff. You love yourself through the process and then you write your own brave new ending. Right. 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 Okay. Okay. And you are good with money, right? You're good at spending less than what you bring in. Yep. You're good at managing it. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I don't deal with budgets. Like I don't, I've, I, I, I've tried to do yeah. budgets and budgets have always felt like deprivation and scarcity. Yes. Right? Agreed. And, and, but you know, it's interesting because I did kind of just do a budget and um, I just bought a car. Right. And that Actually. was fascinating um, because talk about unpacking stories. But I bought the car and I came in $9,000 under what I was planning on spending. Well done. Yeah. Yay me. Yeah. <laughs> but, awesome. so, but, and I, because I, even when I kind of finally decided how much I wanted to spend, and I could have spent more than that, but um, I was like, no, this is what I kind of feel comfortable spending. Right. Um, I, uh, originally was like, hmm, I wonder if I'm gonna st- I wonder if I'm going to stick with that. Right. Right. The problem was there wasn't a car out there that I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Because I had these weird parameters. My constraint was it had to be 184 inches or smaller. <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. Okay. All right. <laughs> I called my money guy or my my old professor and I was like, okay, something about buying the car. I need to you know. I need some advice about what I should do and how I should do this because it's been a while. And I go, well, here's my number one thing, 184 inches. He goes, what? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it has to be 184 inches or smaller. It cannot be bigger than that. Is that like garage limitations or something? No, it's because in downtown Davis, it is a pain to park. I have a Honda Odyssey that's 201 inches plus a bike rack, a Thule bike rack on the back of it. So I'm like probably at 213. And that's and hard. And parallel okay. parking that, yeah. it's a All beast. Right. Fair enough. Okay, right? good. <laughs> well, so, that makes, so I want logic to it. It wasn't a number you just no, pulled out of your head. I wanted ease. And 196, <laughs> when I test drove those, it was still a little bit of a problem at the grocery store. And I'm like, you know, I want ease. <laughs> so yeah, love it. Okay, that was my constraint. And I and I'm actually at 181 inches. So Fair. It's even <laughs> that's excellent. That's so funny. Well, you know, because we just bought a car. I told mm-hmm. you, I think earlier that like I've been, I, I, I would not have bought another car. Uh, but for the fact that, because we live in Houston, so you there's there's no public transportation that is worth anything. So every adult has to have a car, right? In in Houston, it's you, it's very difficult to share cars, right? If my husband, if we had one car, then I would not be able to get my daughter to school or mm-hmm. vice versa. Like it, there's there's no bus stop near our house. Like it's just impossible. Okay, so so he we had these cars that we bought when we first moved to Houston back. Uh, nine years ago now, right? And they were fine, especially because I work mostly from home. So I'm not driving my car that much anyway. My husband is tough on cars and his latest car, it was, he had some transmission problems and it looked like the transmission, the cost to repair it was going to be more than the car was worth. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, this is dumb. It's time to buy a car. So what we decided was, and so this was the, because I'm a small car person. Like mm-hmm. I like small cars, um, mostly because of environment. And so I'm like, what do I need? I, I, I don't drive that much. What do I need a big car for? Again, I told you I'm not a 
I'm not a fancy, you know, I'm not a name brand person, so I didn't need anything big. But suddenly things had changed, right? Because I was like, okay, we're going to buy a new car. The car that we'll get, he can probably take my car that's nine years old because I didn't drive it that much. So I had very low mileage. Like, I think it was like, I don't know, something like 50,000 miles after nine years, right? Like I had no mileage on the car. So I'm like, well, you take that and I'll take the new car because whatever car we buy is probably going to end up being our daughter's car. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm the one that can make sure that the mileage stays low so that she's 12 now so that in five, six years when she needs a car, I know that she's got a car that hasn't been beaten up. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's so that was one thing. But then I thought, oh, I don't know that I want a really small car anymore Mm -hmm. because she's going to be a new driver Mm -hmm. and I kind of want a little metal around her. Right. Mm -hmm. So so we were like, okay, well, and then this and then I kept thinking, and also she probably will be getting it right before she goes to college. So she needs to pile all her stuff in it. Right. Like I'm like, so I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're getting an SUV, which was very weird for me. Right. Because I'm like, you know, and plus I'm, I'm always so bitter. Like I'm in, in Texas, right? So everybody has big cars in Texas. And so I, in my little tiny little Toyota that I've been riding, driving all the time, I was like bitter at all these huge SUVs. So I was like, I told Marcus, I'm like, okay, we'll get an SUV, but we have to get an SUV that is as close to a car than an SUV because I am not driving a really big car. Well, I, I made the mistake of letting my husband go choose the car. Um, and my husband is a big gadgety person and stuff. So we got, ended up getting like, not a huge SUV, but not the tiniest SUV either. Right. But it was very much like a, okay, this is how much I am willing to spend mm-hmm. monthly. So whatever we do using the trade-in of your car and stuff like that, we can get down to that bunch a month then and not be paying it until I'm old. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, then that's what we'll do. And that's how we, so we have, we have a Mazda, like I have a little Mazda now and, um, and I love it. And it feels really fancy for me, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all I, I always say, look, all I need is an air conditioner and automatic transmission. I don't even need, like, I don't need anything else. Like, I don't even need power windows, really. Like, I don't need anything else. I, I need it to go from A to B. I want it to be somewhat fuel efficient. And I need air conditioning because we live in Texas. And you can't live in Texas without air conditioning. <laughs> right? So I'm like, that's, that's the only thing. And so this car, you know, because cars have changed in mm-hmm. 90 right like all you know it has like the little push button uh, you know starter i'm like mm-hmm. what what sorcery is this i don't have to put a key in like, <laughs> you know and people are like yeah cars do that now karen like that's not like, yeah but not a big deal but it's very um but i am like i am the frugal one and my husband um which i think he not that he's bad with money because he's not but he did grow up poor where i didn't mm-hmm. right and so the idea of getting of having it like this job where he could get whatever he wants is really intoxicating for him. So in a lot of ways, we're sort of really good for each other mm-hmm. because I temper him, you know, mm-hmm. um, when we came, he's English. And so when we came, moved to the U S and he realized how much you could qualify for as far mm-hmm. as a mortgage, like it's something like ridiculous, right? Like something like five times your salary or something like that. And he's like, we'll get the house. And I'm like, you are high. Like we, they, we don't need a house that big. We could mm-hmm. get a house that's worth this much of our, you know, and I, so I'm the one that sort of tempers him down, which is great, but I wish I was a little more, um, open to, open to not, yeah, risk, I guess is the word open to a little more risk because that's probably would be good for me, but, but I'm going to do that now. So I'm going to, I'm telling my, I'm starting a brand new ending where I am actually good with money. I'm not the same person I was at 26 or 27 when, everything hit the fan. So I'm going to learn mm-hmm. baby. And yay. You. <laughs> and just like with the car, right? Like you're yep. a small, small car person, but then you thought about your daughter and you wanted something bigger, right? We, we have two Honda Odysseys. I don't need another. My daughter's getting mine. And yep. like you, mine, mine is a 2007. It has 89,000 miles. So, yeah, she, so you know, yeah. but, but like you were able to make that adjustment. It's still within, you had your, you know, you had your priorities, you had your constraints, right? You want to yep. send those eco-friendly. And, yep. and I think like when you go into like the investment thing, it's also like, okay, what still aligns with the boundaries that you have? Uh, oh, that's so good. Right? When, you yeah. know, when, you, when you want to invest, like, you know, and, and I even thought about like hiring a financial planner. I was like, oh, we just need somebody else to do it. And, and I met with somebody and, and my husband's like, that, that's just not happening. We are going to continue <laughs> to do this ourselves. And then I talked to my financial guy. He goes, seriously, that's cookie cutter stuff that you got, right? So, um, you know, as of now, we continue to still do it. Yep. And, and, you know, like we, and just like you and your husband, like we temper each other too. 
Yeah. Right. My husband's way more conservative yeah. in, in how to spend money, but he's not as conservative in how to invest. I'm not as conservative in how I spend, but I am more conservative in how I invest. Oh, wow. That's great. It's a nice, again, it's the teachers that you need come and show up in your life. Yeah. Right. And and to have those kinds of checks and balances and stuff, um, I think just become really important. So it's, it's learnable, but knowing like, okay, what are the boundaries? Like, and I think about this in terms of even like when I shop, like when I wound up finally buying my car, I could have gone to the dealer down the road out in a different town and probably gotten, you know, a bit better of a deal. But I said, you know what? The tax money goes back to my community. That's right. Huge, right. Right. And, and so, and I was kind of freaking out on Sunday night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have gone down there. I could have gotten a better deal. My husband goes, because he first didn't want to hear it. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to verbally vomit. This is going <laughs> on in my head. I can't concentrate on anything. I need to get it out. Right. Like, Fine. Right. You know, and I, so I tell him and he goes, Corinne, the money is, the tax money is going back to our community. That is important to us. Wow, that's right. that's so wise, yeah. And and so I think like when you invest, it's kind of with that same idea. Like you know, if you're at a brokerage firm, right, to put your money in or your IRAs or whatever, do right. do they have the values that you align with? Yep. You know, and 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 like the people, like my money mentor, he he's taught me a lot, and he has similar values as me, mm. right? And so yep. I do check in with him, and then I still run it through the current filters. Right. Like, what do I feel comfortable with? Right, right, right. You're making me feel better. Because <laughs> seriously, when you said first said we want to talk about money, like I felt fear, but I'm not feeling fear anymore. Well, that's successful. I'm feeling a little bit of curiosity. Look at that. There you go. Wow. And and, and I think small increments, right, where yep. it's like, you know, like I have a rule. It can't hurt my family. Well, sure. Right. Yeah. That oh, is my yeah. rule. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and sometimes, I mean, I can get in a a, a, a mind spiral of, I just can't believe I spent 10 cents on a paper bag at the grocery store. Right. right? Like, I, and I'm like, okay, Corinne, does this hurt your family? No. Your family like drops dimes and wouldn't even know. Right? right. So like I pick up dimes in my house. I did actually just the other day. Um, so, but uh, you know, like I check in with, will this hurt my family? You know yep. what? And then, and letting go of, cause sometimes I get stuck in that. It has to I have to do it perfectly without any mistakes. Right. Which we both know is the birthplace of shame. Right. Right. And so that's not any good. So it's like, okay, Corinne, Go and test this out. Like, you know, when I'm investing in this, does this align with my long-term goals? Because we're, we're about the long-term. You right. know, I'm not into like, okay, how much money can I make today for tomorrow? Right. You know, right. and the other thing that I've realized too is that, you know, it's like there's the making of the money. And then when you make the money, right, like in working, and then there's the, then what do you do with that money to invest it? And then when do you pull it out? Right. 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 It's like, gosh, that's a lot. Well, and also as I'm here, sitting, you think, like I sit there and I think, Okay, like I said, I'm a pretty frugal person, but one thing that I love to spend money on and that I do so without guilt is travel, mm-hmm. um, particularly as a mom, mm-hmm. right? Like I, to me, like that was something that was, a very, that was very important to my family when I was a kid was travel. Um, you know, and, and it's not like, I, you know, I don't need luxury or anything else like that, but I, I especially as, as time goes on, I feel like the world is getting smaller. I feel like the world is a much smaller place for my daughter than it was when I was a child. When I was a child, I had a pen pal and it took three weeks to get to him in (laughs) Europe and then three weeks for him to write back. Now my daughter, if she wanted to talk to somebody on the other side of the planet, she can just fire up her computer and literally see their face, right? Mm -hmm. Like to me, and I feel like travel in a lot of ways um, can help erase bigotry. It can help erase closed-mindedness. Like for me, that is a huge priority for my child is to be able to go to different cultures, to places where she is foreign and she is different and learn how to navigate through that as well and learn how to connect through differences and stuff like that. That's a huge priority for me. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see me going, I have this money and I could invest it or I could take my family somewhere. Like, how do you figure out how to prioritize when it's time to spend and when it's time to invest? Oh, that's such a good question. Right. Um, one is, I think it, then it comes down to, and there's this mortality issue, which becomes so great is right. what is enough? Like, I mean, you guys have figured out that out, like in terms of the house and the car, right? Right. Like, you know, again, you don't even need like five times your income in the United States. You could just not even have an income and get a huge mortgage. Right. 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 Um, and it's happening again. Like the big short is happening all over again. Um, so we're going to have this housing bubble crash, yep. but, um, but really thinking about, okay, what is enough? And that, yep. that's a hard question to really answer, mm-hmm. right? Because there can be health. We don't know how long we're going to live. But like at some point deciding how much is enough to save. 
Right. And then also, what where do the thing where are the family priorities that there's an immense value to? Yep. Right. And that becomes really personal. So again, like for me, and I'm actually changing my tune on this whole 10 cents paper bag thing. But, <laughs> you know, like for me, I would never I like I freak out attacks or I used to about yep. spending 10 cents on a paper bag. I'm like, no, I, I would come home and get the bags before I go yep. to the grocery store, which doesn't make sense environmentally. Right. I don't, live too, I don't live that far from the grocery store. So it's a little bit bigger story than I'm actually, you know, doing. Right. But there are things that I value. Like we will, I will spend really good money on body workers, you know, for my back. Cause I have a, I have a serious back. So I, I'm not looking at, do I need to have insurance? I have my, my body workers that yep. I will spend good money on because that is important to the health of my back. Right. You know, I will spend good money on, you know, like I buy running shoes and I don't run, but to stand on the pool deck, I spend $150 on running shoes to stand on a pool deck because the right. concrete's so tough. Right. So, you know, knowing what is aligned with your values are really, really important. And then yep. again, money, it's, it's about boundaries. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, what are the boundaries that you have? Like, okay, how much of it goes to the future? How much of it goes to right now? Right. Am I living in alignment? And it's like, well, I think I need this much. And we tend to not need as much money as we think. That's true. Right. Like even for a trip, there's ways to make it. Yep. You know, so it's not as costly. Right. Yep, for sure. And so, you know, and, and so when we do that, we can go, okay, okay, I thought I needed this much, but I, maybe I saved, you know, like I saved that $9,000 on the car. Right. You know, woohoo. I'm like, wow, look at that. That, I mean, that is like the best feeling in the world. So once you've saved that money, do you suddenly go, okay, I was willing to spend that $9,000 on the car. I didn't. That's definitely going through an investment. Like, do you think that way or just like, oh, no, this is cool. I've got some leeway and if something comes up, I can spend it. Um, that's a right? really good question. No, that's a really good question. Um, I do save quite a bit of money, so it doesn't necessarily because I already that's already taken care of. So this right. is the leftover money. Right. Um, I did think out of that nine thousand dollars, I'm going to spend a little bit of money for my room, but I'd already been planning on that. Right. So <laughs> right. it's not like anything new. Um, right. It just it when it happens is just it tends to just it just sits there. Yeah. Right. Well, that's I mean, yeah. But I mean that's and it will it will eventually probably head over to the investments, but it's not it's not like today it's going. Right. Right. I mean, that to me is, is sort of the, that to me is sort of the trick. Like, I mm -hmm. think if I had a windfall of a few thousand dollars, mm -hmm. I'm, my knee jerk is, okay, we've put away for our savings. We're fine. I've got this all of a sudden windfall of a few thousand dollars. That's a trip. I wouldn't even dawn on me to go, oh, we should invest that. Like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a trip. Where have we not been yet that mm -hmm. we can take our daughter? Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and I think there's probably needs to be a switch with that or, you know, like it's sort of, Okay, this time I have a windfall, I invest it. And next time I have a windfall, then we travel or something like that, you know, where I can balance it. And that I think would be a lot tougher for me. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and it, but it could even be like, oh, maybe 20% of the windfall goes into investments. And then the other percent goes, because I do, I have, I have this weird money management thing where I have like, even for the stuff from my bedroom, I have an account yep. that every month money goes into it. My, it drives my husband crazy. Yep. And it goes into it. And then that's my permission money to go buy stuff for the house. Right. It's already oh, happened. I do that too. Yeah. Like I, I definitely have separate accounts. Yeah. Um, like, well, one of the big one I have is my daughter goes to a private school. Mm -hmm. Right. And that one is sacrosanct. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we get money. I'm like, okay, we put that in for her private school. That money, I don't care if we are starving, that money goes to her school. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's that, like we will figure out other things to do, but that's for her schooling. And, um, and I need to be better about that with other stuff. Like I probably could do with a travel account, right? Like I need to start doing sort of something like that, I think, as well, which I don't do. I'm not that good about having different accounts or different funds or, you know, the equivalent of basically a, a piggy bank where I can, you know, save up for something specific. Well, see, like my husband's like, just keep it all in one account. It keeps it simple. And then you can pull yeah. from it. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> because that for me is not enough boundaries. Like yeah. I have accounts where money is, it's a one, I always say it's a one-way street, Pete. It's a one-way street. Right, the money right. goes in, but it does not come out. Right. Because you right. Have, and I'm like, no, it's a one way street. It's done. Right. So I have these rules. And then, but that, that, uh, that household account, I mean, it's not a whole lot of money that I put in there every month, but it, I mean, I've had it for so long right. that it grows. And then I'm like, oh, I have this money. And, and what, what it does is that if it's all in one pot, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I could use it for here. I could use it for there. Instead, it's designated already right. to say, Go. This is the things that you can do to to create the space that you want. Right, right, right. right. And it's yeah. okay to like. It's not that you know. Again, I'm like you. I don't need extravagant things. 
Right. But it's okay to like beautiful things. I think when you, when I, at least for me, coming from that frugality mindset for so long, yep. it was like, oh, well, see, I, I can struggle and I, I can go without. Right. right. I, I had to change that mindset too into, you know, I can afford it. And is this something that's going to bring benefit to me? Right, right. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, so much of this is, is so much about priority, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and being, you know, and, and it's funny because I think you, that these days you see a lot of, um, you know, like the, I think it's called KonMari, right? That whole thing about how mm-hmm. you go through your house and eliminate clutter and does it bring you joy and stuff like that. I mean, I think um, that's probably a good mindset for all, right, of what we do, including money, right? It's it's not just what we already have, but how we spend. And would this bring me joy? Um, or is this something that's just a flash in the pan that, that doesn't bring me joy? Or would it bring me joy to, you know, yeah, I could have the really great car, or the really great trip, or know that my future is secure, right? Like know that I've got, that I've, that I paid into my future right now. Like how, how do I do that? And I, for me, I know that, um, certainly with shopping and things like that, that, that is something that I always am thinking about. I'm like, you know, and, and I think it's why I can be really comfortable with spending on travel because I'm like, you know what, if this creates a memory with my family, I'm all for that because I want that for, for my kid much more than I need of, $600 handbag or something like that. Right. Um, so it's easy to do that. And I think it probably would be behoove me to have, be more mindful about that in all the other aspects of my life as well. Um, it, it's, it's deliberate living. Yeah. Right? And, and, yep. and like when we go, so we go to Montana every August and, um, and we're in this resort town and, uh, my father-in-law goes with us and we wind up putting him up at, you know, these different resorts and stuff. And I remember the first year I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we're talking a lot of money for a hotel room. Right. And, um, but the, and then we actually stay with my girlfriend at her house, but it's like, you know, and the dinners are very expensive, much more than what we would pay at home, but it's right. Montana time. And it's the right. value <laughs> of us being together as a family. It's not my kids. No, that's not how we live when we come home. Right. But when we're up there, it's a family thing and my father-in-law comes and, you know, and it's a huge opportunity for us to all connect and disconnect from the rest of the world. Right. Right. right? And so that, again, like that, does it bring you joy? This is a really important family value of ours. Right. Right. To do this. I mean, it is it is pretty darn sacred for us to do this. So we, you know, again, that that money just comes out of the accounts that we have, but we go and and I just don't. I would never spend money like that at home. Right. Right. You know, like, I mean, we'll have a meal that will be $300. Yeah. Oh, like, nice. so, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, at home, I'm like looking at 10 bucks a head. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, oh, sure. but, but that, that's, that's the area that we're at. Right. And, and we have this experience and, and it is a very wonderful family tradition. So like when you talk about, does it bring us joy? Is it in line with our values? That's yep. what you, that, and that's where everybody has to decide because it's different for different people. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, you lived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was scared about this, but you've given me so much to think about. And yeah, I, I mean, and hopefully maybe somebody out there who is as scared as I was is feeling a little bit more, um, curious as well like I am that's definitely what I'm feeling right now is very curious which is a good thing well you know I mean a couple things like so Kristen Neff will say compassionate people have boundaries right and and when I say love money it's like I can either be afraid of it and it's not that I haven't worried about money because I have but it's also it's like letting go of um I'm trying to think you know it's like trusting faith and intuition like having faith right letting go of control because when we feel vulnerable we want to control and yep. and now I can be deliberate, but you know, there's also things I just I can't control. So, yep. you know, how am I going to flow through my life? And the best thing is, I mean, it's what we do as daring way facilitators, right? You use your values as your guiding light. Yep, for sure. And that's what I do with yep. money. Yeah. Wow, this is great. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you. I love talking with you. Yay! And you as well. As this is, it's always fun talking with you. <laughs> oh, so what do you think? I want to know what are your money stories. Send me an email and just unpack it and it'll be safe with me. You know, I won't throw under the bus. I don't read out emails on my show. So I would never do that. That's not confidential. But unpack the stories. What are your money fears? Unpack them. And after you get them out of your head and on paper, you can look at them. And some of them you may go, oh my gosh, really? That's what I believe? Kind of like what we discussed with Karen. And some of them you may go, oh, no, but I really believe this. And then do you want to believe that? Or do you want to write your own brave new ending? 
So thanks so much for listening today. I want to do a shout out to the our fellow listeners down under. I love Aussies. One day I will be going to Australia. That is on my bucket list. And I want to do a shout out to no nickname number two. And also Mickey3214. Mickey, I think you sent me an email last week about your weekend fun list. So thanks so much, you guys, for listening. And I'll catch you next week. Smiling big for you. Never been so wild.